Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Amir Farrow, with my co-host, Jordan Lopez. J-Mac cannot make today's episode, but... We have a great episode lined up for everybody today, um, as you guys can tell from the title of today's episode. We're going to be going over matchups to watch in the Denver Broncos Week 3 game against the Miami Dolphins. I know the Broncos have started off to a rough 0-2 start, not what fans have uh, you know, originally imagined leading up to the beginning of the season, but... Uh, we're here to kind of give you guys a in-depth look and kind of a good look at some analytics as to how this game could go and how the first two weeks have gone for both teams and how that could shape up for the Broncos week three matchup in Miami where Jordan will be attending in person. So, uh, Jordan, how are you feeling, brother? Uh, what, what's been going on with you? No, I'm feeling good. I'm getting a little bit more excited as the, as the days go on. Uh, you know, that commander's loss is still sitting with me, but, you know, we got a whole new week. Uh, the Broncos have moved on. They're on to facing the Dolphins now. We're prepping for the Dolphins. I think it's going to be a closer game than people expect. But again, our uh, back are against the walls here. And I, I think uh, these matchups are going to have a big part to do on uh, whether we're going to win or lose on Sunday. Absolutely. And I, I th- Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I think a lot of fans are just looking at it like it's a 2-0 team against a 0-2 team. Like I think right now, um, Yahoo Sports has the Dolphins with a 98.2% percentage of winning this game. Um, I think, I I don't know, a little part of me feels like it could be a trap game. Maybe this is just like the the, the little bit last uh, bit of hope and still inside me. But um, I don't know. I feel like you you do make a good point. I think it's going to definitely be closer. And we're going to jump into all that um, starting off with the first matchup. Uh, that the Denver Broncos, uh, a lot of Broncos country should be looking out for. And obviously it's the biggest one. It's Sean Payton, our head coach, offensive play caller, against our former head coach, Vic Fangio, who is now the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, who actually turned down the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator uh, at for the Broncos this year and kind of reunite um, with the Broncos. I know Sean Payton, uh, he was kind of one of his uh, first options to uh, team up with him here in Denver. But Vic Fangio did turn it down and instead went to the Miami Dolphins. I remember um, in the beginning of the uh, process after we hired Sean Payton, uh, us and the Dolphins, we were the two front runners for Vic Fangio. And um, unfortunately, he did decide to go to Miami. Um, but crazy enough, the Broncos and Miami, uh, Broncos and Dolphins defense have kind of been similar in statistics uh, to so far how it's gone. Um, I mean, the Dolphins defense, they're at allowing 25 point, uh, yeah, 25.5 points per game. That's 19th in the NFL. The Broncos defense is allowing 26 points per game. That's 24th in the NFL. So just a, a five-place five place separation there, but it's just a point 
0.5% uh, differential there. Um, so, I mean, in terms of production, it's not really that crazy of a difference. It's really where the offenses kind of separate a little bit. But the Broncos do have a pretty high-power offense this year, surprisingly enough. Um, they're not against, you know, two great defenses in the Las Vegas Raiders and Washington Commanders, but they're still putting points on the board, and Sean Payne has already made an immediate uh, impact, just like we uh, expected. Um, so, some of the statistics I want to bring up, and by the way, I you know I love bringing up analytics and everything. I you know Stone Jordan, I love diving into all the stats and stuff. So, um, starting off with this Sean Payton and Vic Fangio matchup, the Broncos have the highest touchdown drive percentage in the NFL with thirty five point three percent. It's just remarkable. If you tell a Broncos fan last year that they'd be jumping up and down regardless of the outcome of the game, um, and then. Th- while the Broncos are the best in that uh, statistical category, the Dolphins are third with 31.8% in the NFL. So, I mean, it's going to be a high-power matchup. And even though Vic Fangio's defense hasn't been the greatest, Broncos, um, the Broncos, uh, you know, offense is going to be ready to, you know, get going. And so is the, you know, Dolphins or the Broncos defense is kind of the same, you know, wavelength as the Dolphins defense, I guess you could say. Um, the Broncos offense is averaging 24.5 points per game. That is 15th in the NFL. And then the Dolphins offense is averaging 30 points per game, which is 30 in the NFL. So that's one of the big stats right there where it could be, definitely be a separator for this game. But um, I think the Broncos defense, if the if the Broncos are going to win this week, I think we can all agree it's the Broncos defense going to have to step up because, I mean, that, that 12 – Different that 12 ranking differential there, where the Broncos are 15th and the Rams are third. That's going to play, uh, you know, play a big difference in this game. And I think uh, Vance Joseph, I'm honestly, it may be crazy prediction, but I'm expecting a, a bit of a bounce back this week. I don't think it's going to be as bad as the first two weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, and relative to that Vance Joseph Mike McDaniel matchup, because that's a matchup to also look out for. That's probably going to, you know, determine the outcome of this game. But staying with Sean Payne and Vic Fangio a bit. I did have uh, some history between the two guys whenever they've matched up, whether it's uh, Champagne being an OC back in the day and uh, even Vic being the coach defensive coordinator back in 1999. But uh, I think the most recent ones are the ones that I'll go off of, which is uh, 2013, uh, Vic Fangio was with the 49ers and he was a DC there and he faced Sean Payton. Sean Payton was obviously the head coach for the Saints. The Saints won that matchup 23 to 20. And then 2014, they matched up again. And then the 49ers won 27-24. And then 2017, Vic Fangio was the defense coordinator for the Bears. And the Saints won 20-12. to So they've had some of those just three matchups alone. They've had a lot other more. Uh, it just seems like there are a lot of one-possession games. Uh, Vic does get the better of them in terms of giving up points. But uh, I expect uh, a good game out of these two, especially uh, since they look like both of them are really good friends. Both of them had that retired year last year. So they're like they were both talking about what was happening last year while they were mm-hmm. both uh, away from football. But Sean Payne versus Vic Fangio is obviously the matchup to look out for. Um, again, this offense is going to have to put up points. I know Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive minds in the league, but his defense is – tend to, you know, be a little sketchy, especially in the beginning of the season, just because players have to get used to the system. So if any time is a good time to get Vic Fangio now and scoring points, it would be week three against uh, these uh, Broncos and Dolphins matchup here. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that Vic Fangio's defenses can be a little bit, you know, suspect at the beginning of the year. And um, I I like that you bring up that they were also, you know, retired last year at the same time. I mean, 
I, I it definitely makes sense that he would kind of wanted to jump in with the same team with the, his fellow guy who's speaking to a little bit over the course of the offseason. And that would have been, you know, great, uh, especially with the lack of, you know, um, candidates that were available for the Broncos DC position. Um, I just feel like, yeah, there's uh, Vic Fangio's definitely got the best of Sean Payne um, at times. And I know Sean Payne has his ways of kind of exposing his defense as well. Um, I'm definitely worried about this matchup a little bit. I think Vic Fangio knows how to attack his offense. Um, but, you know, just like I said previously, I mean, Sean Payne can do the same to his defense. So it's really yeah. just going to be a battle up front. My, like, my biggest like X factor, X factor though, is Vic Fan, or excuse me, Vance Joseph's defense against Mike McDaniel's offense. Yeah. I mean, that's going to play such a big factor in this game. Um, and I believe that is our next, um, you know, matchup that we're going to talk about. Um, like I already said, the Broncos defense twenty fourth, the Dolphins offense is third in the NFL. Um, the Broncos defense is also allowing twenty or two hundred twenty four point five points per game. Um, that is sixteenth in the NFL. And then also, I forgot to mention the Dolphins defense is allowing three hundred sixty point five yards per game. That's twenty fourth in the NFL. So that's a big difference right there that we I completely forgot to uh, mention with Champagne versus Vic Fangio. He gives up a lot of yards, so he's kind of a bend don't break type defense. Yeah. Uh, I, that's kind of how how Vic Fangio's uh, defense has always been, especially with the high use of zone coverage. They like to keep everything in front of them, um, and that's how Vance Joseph is already. We've already seen a very apparent in the first two weeks, especially last week against the Commanders. They're trying to keep everything you know in front of them um, in terms of you know not letting Sam Howell beat them downfield. Um, so I think you can see that a little bit more this week as well. You may see some more uh, man coverage. Um, especially with the way, you know, Tyreek Hill, he'll likely be uh, active. I know he's questionable with that ankle injury, um, but if he is active, he can really attack you in zone and man. So they're going to kind of have to throw a mixture of both at Tyreek Hill, uh, which we'll get to that matchup in a little bit. Um, but what is your, uh, what are you kind of expecting with this Vance Joseph, Mike McDaniel matchup on Sunday? Yeah, I think this is the most obvious out of all the matchups that we'll talk about. I think this is the one that the Broncos are for sure in a disadvantage of I think Vance Joseph, as we all know, has started off the year on not a good note at all. And Mac McDaniel is one of the best uh, offensive minds in the game. The scarier part is that he's been establishing the run this year, which was last year he did not do. Uh, maybe that was a little bit more. He just didn't trust his, trust his offensive line or that. But this year he has. He's been running the ball a lot more, so their offense is a bit more balanced. But, yeah, Mike McDaniel with, you know, Tyree Kill, Jalen Ward, and all those weapons – that offense is uh, pretty, pretty good, and Vance Joseph needs to figure out a way to not only just stop these guys, but just limit the touchdowns. I mean, I, I would be happy just giving up field goals and not touchdowns at this point, a bend-don't-break type system, kind of like how Fangio is doing with that defense over there. But Vance Joseph needs to find a way to get off the field quick and give the ball to our offense so they can chew up the time and really gain and win that time of possession battle. Yeah, that last part is perfect. I mean, I, um, I'm, I think it was you or someone on social media mentioned about how um, the Broncos' uh, defense, um, or not the Broncos, the Broncos' offense. The way they're going to win this game is if they kind of you know beat them in the time possession, really beat down their defense. Because if you if you start like, and I hate to say it like this. Because it's kind of like hypocritical a little bit. Because last week we really were finding your groove with that high power offense and kind of, um, you know, firing downfield um, and being aggressive. But I, the last thing we want to do with the Dolphins is get into like a shootout, and yep. it could very well turn into that. But the Dolphins tend to. Uh, we saw it with the Chargers in Week One. They tend to get in those shootouts, and they will beat you with their offense, and they will take those downfield shots and continuously take advantage of those uh, opportunities. So um, I think I think 
the best option this week is kind of just beating down their defense and, um, you know, hitting them with the run game. The run thing, run game is a big thing because they are allowing 360 um, over 360 yards per game. But if we can chew them apart with our run game as well and have a balanced uh, offensive approach and attack, I think we could definitely take advantage of that Miami uh, defense and win this game. I think that's one of the few ways that we will be able to uh, win this week three matchup. Um, but one of the matchups next that I want to talk about is uh, Jerry Judy versus Xavier Howard, um, which actually this is not the first time that they have met um, in, in a game. Um, so starting this season, uh, Xavier Howard has allowed 71 yards through two weeks. That is 35 and a half yards per game allowed. Uh, but he's the biggest thing to me was he's allowing just a 46.6 passer rating when targeted. Uh, that's a career best so far for him. He's on pace for one of the best seasons of his career. He already has a pick. He had a pick in his first meeting um, on Drew Locke against the Broncos. I mean, granted, that's Drew Locke, but um in Denver's last matchup, speaking of against Miami, um, that which was in Denver, where the Broncos won that one, uh, 30 to 23. Um, Judy was held to just three catches for 37 yards. However, like I said, Drew Locke was the quarterback, and Pat Shermer was running the ball a lot with Philip yeah. Lindsay and uh, Melvin Gordon in that game. I remember that was one of the few games where we really got to see the peak of that uh, running back duo before, unfortunately, it fell off. Um, with you know, thanks to uh you know, Melvin Gordon's fumbling issues and Pat Shermer's play calling duties. But, um, you know, I, I think they ran for north of 30 times between the both of them in, in that game. So Judy wasn't getting the highest of volume in that game. He was still averaging over 11 yards uh, per catch, or over 12 yards per catch. Um, so I'm expecting him to be more of a focal point this week. But, uh, you know, to recap this uh, matchup, I will say Xavier Howard is having a pr- – Honestly, a shockingly good start to the season. Um, I wasn't high on him at all last year. Uh, he actually had kind of like a down year, um, but he's off to a really good start this year. I don't know if it's just a you know um, a lack of you know per, per premier matchups uh, from his wide receivers that he's playing. Um, I know New England's uh, receivers weren't the best, um, but he did get go up against those Chargers receivers week one. Um, so I don't think he's he's going to be taken lightly in this matchup at all. And I think uh, Sean Payne will definitely be respecting him with how he uh, approaches this game with Jerry Judy in the offense. And I'm going to actually take the uh, opposite side of that conversation. And uh, I know he faced the Chargers and the Patriots. And I know Xavier Howard, he, he used to be a really good corner. I mean, I think he led the league like twice in interceptions. I mean, he used to be yeah. literally a stud back there. Um, despite all the stats that you also brought up. And again, statistics can tell two sides of every story. Um, but Xavier Howard does lead the NFL in penalties, which I did notice. And that was brought to my attention in, on uh, X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that's a matchup that Sean Page should try to exploit. I think uh, Xavier Howard, obviously getting up there in age, obviously I think follow time gets to everyone. But I know he's been having a uh, somewhat uh, good start to the season. Those four penalties have been costly in those games. And according to PFF, he is the 20th worst in coverage grade uh, amongst the league. So... As you can tell, Damari Mathis has the third worst coverage grade. Xavier Howard is at 20, so that's a big difference. But Xavier Howard has had his times this season uh, doing good in coverage, but uh, in totality of it, he has not been that great in my opinion. And I think those penalties tell a big story, especially those are penalties that are accepted. So I don't know how many penalties he's got as a total, even if they were declined, but just four accepted penalties on the cornerback – not good, and I think this is a matchup that uh, should favor Judy. And I actually did mention something in our PO chat uh, last night that Xavier Howard had a lot of praise for Jerry Judy back in 2020, 
when uh, he was covering yeah. a man to man, saying he was like one of the hardest ones to stay in front of and all that. So even getting praise like that from one of your peers, I think speaks volume. And even Vic Fangio once said when he was in Denver that uh, when in the draft process, he drafts offensive guys that he hates to go up as a defense. So, I mean, he's going to have to face some of the guys he drafted, like Jerry Judy, like Javante Williams. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, all these play out. But, yeah, this Jerry Judy, Xavier Howard matchup, I will be looking forward to, to uh, Sunday. And I hope Judy gets the best of Xavier Howard, especially that now he has Russell Wilson and a competent offensive play call in Champaign. Yeah, and in that game in 2020, uh, Xavier Howard shadowed Jerry Judy on 72% of his routes. So this isn't going to be like a Jerry Judy versus, um, you know, ex-cornerback and Xavier Howard. It's going to be Jerry Judy versus Xavier Howard. So um, whatever uh, strengths and weaknesses will uh, that either receiver and corner possess, uh, they will either be utilized to their best or they will be exposed in this game. I think it's going to definitely be a uh, premier matchup to watch in week three, and this could be a way the Broncos could either win the game or lose the game. I know last week uh, Jerry Judy only had three catches for 25 yards, um, and it was mentioned a little bit that he was getting doubled in the second half. Um, so we'll see if the Broncos can find ways to, um, you know, single out, you know, isolate him in uh, man coverage, uh, you know, get him, get him to the, you know, in the designs that he plays his best. Obviously, we all know he's an insane route runner, especially against man coverage. Um, and I think that'll be very, very, because on an island, Xavier Howard by himself, I don't think he's the greatest corner, and I think uh, Vic Fangio is already doing a good job of kind of ma- like masking that in his own coverage scheme yeah. uh, here through the first two games with uh, Xavier Howard. So that'll definitely be interesting to watch. With all those match coverages and all that, Fangio knows what he's doing back there. You know, those yeah. match coverages, and that's why it, it's hard to grasp it, especially towards the beginning of the season. I think we even had that issue with Fangio when he was in Denver. Towards the beginning of the season, some of the players weren't really getting the defense, and the defense were struggling a bit. Just because all those match coverages that Fangio plays, it's hard to understand. Like the very first two, three, even four weeks, it gets a lot to learn. So that's why it's best now that the Broncos can uh, steal one in Miami. Absolutely. And the next matchup I want to watch uh, that we're going to look out for is Dolphins wide receiver Tyree Kill, who we mentioned is nursing a knee ankle injury right now. So it's looking like he's question he's listed as questionable right now, but we'll see after Friday in the final injury report versus Broncos cornerback one, the best cornerback in football, Patrick Sertan, uh, the second. Um, Hill has 255 yards and three touchdowns this year. Um, he's obviously he set that goal before the season. He wants to be the uh, the all time uh, record. Uh, we're not the all time record leader, but the single season record. Uh, he wants to attain that record of the most receiving yards in a single season. So uh, he definitely he's on pace so far. He just got to keep it up through uh, two weeks. Uh, but hopefully, uh, with the Broncos throw a good stone in that uh, in that goal, um, especially with the be- this is going to be a hard matchup for him. I mean, the last time and I dug this up. I hope uh, some people appreciate this one um, in Kansas City's two matchups against Denver in 2021. Rookie PS2 Patrick. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Sertan held Tyreek Hill to two receptions for 22 yards in their first meeting and one reception for two yards in their second meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a 
total of three catches for 24 yards. And that's that was literally his total stat total. I don't even know if those catches were on PS2. That could have been on someone else. But that's all Tyreek Hill was able to do against Denver in 2021. And keep in mind, that was PS2's first year in the NFL. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I think some people should take that into account because Tyreek Hill may be even better than before, but Patrick Sertan is miles better than he was before. So this one, I some a lot of people are like, man, Tyreek Hill is going to dust PS2. Or he's going to dust his Denver Broncos, you know, poor defense. But who has been the one player that has ba barely given up like two catches throughout two games? It's PS2. He's easily locked to be first team all pro so far i mean he looks like he deserves dpoy i know he's not having crazy pick sixes and stuff but the man is like looking like insane right now and tyree kill may be up there uh you know in the leaders of receiving yards but ps2 isn't allowing anything right now and i think the broncos broncos fans should be excited about this one because with jalen waddle likely out with the concussion he hasn't practiced two straight days highly doubt he plays this one um, especially with the new concussion protocol and with what tua went through last year their their staff is going to be um, definitely uh cautious with how they nurse those injuries uh with waddle this year so um that means tyree kill is going to be the main focal point for that offense and uh speaking of i mean pastor tan and we're talking about how great he is uh, in single coverage in 2023 and just three targets he has forced three incompletions uh in single coverage like i mentioned so um this is going to be a premier matchup to watch and um i think uh ps2 i'm depending on him to uh be a you know main lockdown point for that secondary um and that's why uh, we're going to mention later on damari mathis is going to be a big x factor in this game yeah i don't know how you feel about it amir but i think it's the best cornerback versus the best wide receiver on sunday between ps2 and tyrico i think these two uh, players are the best at their respective positions, and uh, Patrick Sertan is just a different animal. Tyreek Hill is also a different animal, though, especially the way Mike McDaniel uses him and utilizes him within that offense is just something special. I believe Tyreek Hill is what makes that offense. If you can try to limit uh, Tyreek Hill within that offense on Sunday, I think we'll have a lot of su success. But Tyreek Hill, obviously, I think should be the offensive player of the year right now or should I at least be the front runner for it. He can even be in that conversation for MVP because he does everything with the Dolphins. It's kind of remarkable on how, you know, speedy that guy is, just quick in and out of his routes, all that. I mean, it's it's kind of impressive. And I thought we got away from him since he got traded from Kansas City, and look at us now, we're about to play him again. So it looks like uh, we're never going to get away from uh, Tyreek Hill. Who would you say is uh, the front runner for MVP, Jordan? I mean, front of MVP is a is a conversation to be had. Um, no, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a lot of good players playing right now. A lot of players uh, balling out. So, yeah, there's a couple guys up there that uh that for sure deserve a recognition for it, but not be the front runner. But yeah. If you guys, if you guys don't know, we did a live stream like a few weeks ago, or yeah, a few weeks ago. And we were talking. I was basically praising Tua on the stream, and Jordan just for some reason hates Tua's guts, does not like him. Um, I think he's easily the front runner for MVP. I mean, he's literally first in multiple categories, which it is actually a good segue into our next segment. Um, and our next matchup, uh, it is Tua Tungavailoa, the front runner for MVP, Jordan, uh, versus the Broncos defense, both the Broncos secondary and pass rush. And the reason I say him, only him against this whole defense is simply because he has just been really, really good. Uh, he's been playing really, really good football at the start of the season. I mean, 
uh, his statistics, tar- you know, regarding his targets past the sticks, he has 44, uh, he has 44 attempts, first in the NFL, 29 completions, first in the NFL, 493 yards, first in the NFL, four touchdowns, tied first for the NF- in the NFL, eight big-time throws, tied first in the NFL, a 91.2 PFF grade when blitzed, first in the NFL. I mean, th- these a lot of these stats are, like, just showing how, like, downfield and like deep threat you know to a tongue of ilo and tyree kill are as a duo i mean it, that all those stats they just lifted off listed off are ridiculous you know the fact that all of those and they're either tied for first or the first in the nfl this is going to be one of our hardest matchups of the, of the year easily and unfortunately it's coming this early in week three where the broncos are still trying to figure out their groove defensively with vance joseph as their play caller um I don't know. They got to change. Vance Joseph has got to change something and adjust something schematically this week to accommodate to how you know high power this Dolphins offense is. Because like I said earlier in the episode, the last thing you want to do is get into a shootout with the Dolphins because they will beat you. Um, I don't care how good the Broncos offense has been this year. The Broncos are going to have to win this game. Um, you know, through the defense. You know, playing uh, at their best. Um, and you know, shutting down the Dolphins the offense as much as they can. Even containing them to field goals is good enough. Yeah. No, nah, this is by far the best offense the Broncos have gone up against so far this season. Yeah. The best wide receivers, the best quarterback, the best, like everything. Like this is a total different offense than the Raiders and the Commanders. Even though we lost to both of them, there's still a different type of unit that we'll be going up against. I am uh, hoping Vance Joseph does not play Tua like the way Brandon Staley did and just leave Tyreek Hill wide open and David Waddle wide open. Uh, I do expect to him to at least mirror what Bill Belichick did a little bit. I know Bill held Tyreek to a little under, I think, 50 or 60 yards, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I'm just hoping he does not take that Brandon Staley route. I know they're uh, AFC West guys, so hopefully they did not look at any of those films, and hopefully Vance Joseph can actually put hands on the wide receivers, jam them up a bit, because if there is one thing Tua is really good at, he's good at throwing uh, with anticipation. He's really good accuracy, so disrupting them at the line, Getting them off their line, off their routes would be a big part in uh, stopping that offense and just uh, limiting Tua with what you can do. Man, I never thought I would see you here uh, complimenting Tua Tua here on the on the show. It's kind of crazy. It's well, the, I mean, he does throw a good anticipation. He does throw a good anticipation. I mean, I can't I mean, lie about is, that. He is the front runner for MVP too. So uh. yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, the next matchup uh, I want, or Jordan, and uh, I, w- I would like for you to start this one off, uh, is Bradley Chubb, the former Bronco against Garrett Bowles, um, who Garrett Bowles has actually spoke very highly of, I remember, in the past. Um, so now he'll be going up against him in a different, uh, with Bradley Chubb in a different uniform. So this is definitely going to be a, a one to watch. I know a lot of people have talked about uh, Bradley Chubb's pass rush uh, win rate not being the greatest since he's uh, been traded to the Miami Dolphins last year at the trade deadline. But this year he does have a 26 point, uh, a 26 percent uh, win rate. That is 11th in the NFL. Um, also, I would like to mention Nick Benito has a 29 percent and that's six the NFL. Holy cow! Uh, found that out today. He is playing really good ball. He's got to he's got to get that uh, snap count increased immediately. Vance Joseph yeah. cannot be uh, picky about this. Um, but anyways, aside from the point, uh, this uh, Bradley Chubb and Garrett Bowles matchup is going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, we heard a lot of a lot of stories about Bradley Chubb and Garrett Bowles when they went up against each other in training camp here in Denver. I mean, they've had multiple scuffles at one point in training yeah. camp. There's been a lot of talk about these two. Now they can uh, actually go ahead head uh, to head against each other in a real game. It's going to be real interesting. I know Bradley Chubb hasn't been the best in Miami. He's had a better year so far this year, even though he is just coming off his best game as a Dolphin. 
against the Patriots. He played a really good game. There's no denying that. Bradley Chubb played that game monster against the Patriots. Garrett Poles does need to step up this game. We really need him to have a great game against Bradley Chubb. We've heard that Bowles has been getting the better of Chubb when they were in training camp here in Denver. We didn't know how to take that. Maybe if Chubb was declining a bit or whatnot, but we need to see that on Sunday with uh, fruition, right? We need to see that come to life and be true because uh, if we can stop Chubb in this pass rush, that'd be key in uh, Russell Wilson getting the ball out, maybe taking a couple of deep shots. So this Chubb-Bulls matchup is going to be really intriguing to see, especially that they're former teammates and all that. Yeah, and especially considering they do have one of the better pass rushing duos in football this year, yep. and that is because our next that's what lead, leads us to our next matchup is with Jalen Phillips, the former first-round pick, versus Mike McGlinchey, um, who obviously uh, has had a little bit of uh, you know some stutters, I guess you could say, in his pass protection uh, through two weeks, but overall has been pretty solid. Um, Jalen Phillips, though, 27% pass rush win rate. That is eighth in football. So the Dolphins have two top 11 pass rushers in terms of uh, pass rush win, uh, win rate this, this season. So uh, Mike McGlinchey, not been great in pass protection. This is going to be another uh, big matchup. Up, um, on both uh, both tackle positions for the Broncos. And everyone knows, uh, at least if you read my stuff at Predominantly Orange, I am one of the biggest Jalen Phillips guys out there. Obviously, he went to the University of Miami, right. so he, he's a Hurricanes guy. I loved watching him play when he was here playing for the Canes. I was begging super hard for the Broncos to draft Jalen Phillips. I know at one point they were rumored to even be trading up uh, to get Jalen Phillips, but that did not uh, obviously happen. But yeah, Jalen Phillips now with the Dolphins. He's, I mean, I think he's even a captain this year, which is big. He's just one of the best edge rushers, in my opinion. He's just with power, speed, all that he has. Mike McGlinchey has his hands full this Sunday. I don't think this favors McGlinchey at all, if I'm being quite honest. So we do need to limit Jalen Phillips. I know he's coming off an injury a bit that he hurt uh, last Friday before the Patriots game. So hopefully McGlinchey can take you know advantage of certain spots and certain plays certain reps, but Jalen Phillips, in my opinion, does have the advantage over Matt McGlinchey in this one. Yeah, those two those two matchups right there with Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, uh, and then McGlinchey and Bowles, uh, you know, those two assignments can be very tough ones. Like we said, I mean, their defense isn't great. They've been allowing a lot of points, but those two players right there are really good football players. And um, I know uh, Vic Fangio is, he's always had, you know, really solid pass rush. Um, it wasn't always the greatest in Denver, um, but it did have his flashes and it's looking really solid in Miami. Um, but one of our last matchups or actually our last matchup of the episode is wide receiver two in the Miami Dolphins versus Damari Mathis. And the reason I say just wide receiver two is because like I already said multiple times this episode, Jalen Waddell is doubtful for this game. So that might mean that it's going to be um, not Braxton Berrios, but former Denver Bronco River Craycraft, who's actually been having some, a lot of, sh he's been shining a lot with the Miami Dolphins. I think he had even had a touchdown in week one. I mean, the dude has been becoming like one of a uh, Tyreek or not Tyreek, uh, Tua Tagovailoa is one of his favorite targets this season and even last year. Um, so this could be a matchup where um, I know River Craycraft isn't the biggest name out there, but he's a he's a good you know insert in that uh, you know Mike McDaniel um, schematic his, his offense what he's running. So um, Delmar Mathis not great start to the season. Obviously every Broncos fan knows that um, he's allowed 135 yards per game. That is 67 and a half yards per game average the first two weeks. That is like to put that in comparison, a wide receiver usually has around 67 yards, but matched up against multiple corners that are allowing that total. 
Mathis is allowing that total by himself on an average. I mean, that's just really, really poor. He's allowing 92.9% completion percentage uh, for quarterbacks. So that is like he literally has been targeted 14 times through two games, seven targets per game, and is he's only uh, forced one incompletion. I mean, that's really, really poor. Um, and I know it's just River Craycraft, but this is still a tough task for DeMar Mathis because it seems like any task for him so far is a tough one. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, shed light on the wide receiver two part of the matchup for the Dolphins just because I think the Dolphins are going to be targeting Demar Mathis no matter what. Yeah, I think they're going to, you know, follow what the Commanders did and even what the Raiders did to a certain extent. I think they're just going to wherever he wherever he is on the field, McDaniel's going to find a way just to throw it towards his direction. Obviously, every team has has found success at this point of the season when targeting Demar Mathis. According to PFF, he's the third worst coverage grade. Uh, out of all the corners, which is saying something because he's at a resounding 37.5 as a grade, which is, I mean, not, I mean, it's, it, to be honest, it's really awful. I mean, yeah, there's no, you know, juggling around that. Demari Mathis has not been good this year. So I know whoever the wide receiver two on Sunday might be for the Dolphins, whether it's Braxton Berrios, River Craycraft, even Cedric Wilson or anybody, whoever's Tua's second favorite target at this point, Against Damari Mathis is going to be big. Damari Mathis needs to hold his own on Sunday, at least have somewhat of a better game on Sunday in order for us to compete uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll be seeing how Damari Mathis uh, bounces back, even though we did get word that Riley Moss may be active for the game on Sunday. Yeah, he is expected to, to play on Sunday. I highly expect him to. He isn't on the injury report, so there's no reason he wouldn't play. Um, the only reason he would uh, is if they make another surprising healthy scratch at corner like they did with Jaquan McMillan in the, the season yeah. opener. Um, but I do heavily expect him to play. Um, according to our good friend Mario Vitanze, um, as they call him, Mile High Mario, he says that Riley Moss will play on Sunday, and but he will be on a limited snap count, which, thank God, is what I've been preaching on the show. I've been talking about you know not throwing him out there in the wolves i mean it's going to be his first career game and his first football game he's played in with pads all the way since the university of iowa so i mean um, i've been really big on keeping him on a limited snap count especially with how much damari mathis is struggling i don't think it's a great uh you know decision to just throw in riley moss and uh, bench mathis or just substitute moss in from right away i think he's got to get some good time like a good like three to four weeks of like you know sitting back in the depth and you know getting a few snaps rather than just throwing him out there and being a starter alongside ps2 and going up against like a um a, a you know jalen waddle or um a river even all these other guys that they're gonna you know be facing up against um so yeah uh and going back to what you're saying i mean is it crazy to think that Tyreek Hill might not even be their leading receiver just because of how much they might target target Demari Mathis. I mean, that's wild to think about. I mean, he Tyreek Hill wasn't even their leading receiver last week, so um, I think Waddle had like 80 yards and he uh, Tyreek Hill had 40 yards. Um, so it could be like that again this week with how good PS2 is. But at the same time, uh, Eric Bieniemy did find ways to uh, get Tyreek Hill or not Tyreek Hill. Um, Terry McLaurin isolated with uh, Damari Mathis in coverage. So I'm sure that Mike B. Daniels is going to be finding out any way possible he could get Tyreek Hill lineup against Damari Mathis because that's going to be scary hours and uh, not a good sight for uh, Broncos country. Although I- I'm really hoping for a bounce back for Damari Mathis. So the second week in a row we're saying it. Um, we need a bounce back big time because that Dolphins, n- not even just their wide receivers themselves, that that passing offense that they have, it seems like any wide receiver can go there and find success, honestly. I mean, yeah, and what Mike McDaniel does best 
is just be one of the most quarterback friendly coaches there is. I mean, why not help your quarterback go after one of the most targeted cornerbacks in Damari Mathis and just find success there? Josh, Josh McDaniels did it with Jimmy G, got into a little groove, as we saw at the end, that really costed the Broncos a loss. And even with Eric Bieniemy, we had a we had a bit of success in the first and early parts of the second quarter with our defense. But once Bieniemy uh, had Howell going at Mathis for a bit, that's when their offense started to roll a bit. I mean, I wouldn't doubt if McDaniel does the same thing. McDaniel is obviously one of the best offensive minds. And whoever, like I said, whoever the wide receiver two is for the Dolphins, might have a big day in store because uh, DeMar Mathis has not been good. And just knowing how that offense operates, they're going to attack every single way uh, they can just to put up points, get a lot of yards, and just make it, you know, manage the game for everyone involved. Yeah, but that is going to be it for today's episode. Those are our matchups to watch in the Denver Broncos Week 3 matchup um, against the Miami Dolphins. So I hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys are listening on YouTube, make sure you guys leave a comment. Let us know what you guys thought about our uh, matchups. Did you disagree with anything? Did you agree with anything? And was there any matchups that we left out that you guys have your eyes on? Please let us know below. We always leave reading, uh, love reading your feedback, as always. Um, and as well, please uh, leave a like and subscribe. Please help us get to our 2K sub goal. Um, that is always a greatly appreciated. And like I said, please comment for the algorithm that helps us reach out to more audience uh, audiences on the suggested feed on YouTube. So also, if you're listening on Spotify and App Podcast, make sure you guys leave a fo- uh, hit the follow button. That also helps us out. And then please, the most importantly, hit the five star rating. Um, you know, please help us uh, with those ratings out there over there on those platforms. With that being said, I'm your host Amir with my co-host Jordan Lopez. Until the next episode. Peace out, everybody. Peace.